You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Before we get started, I have to apologize for this week's podcast episode. You think by 129 episodes in, I would have worked out how to select the right microphone on Zoom before I start recording. But no, I somehow recorded this entire interview through the microphone on my webcam. Thankfully, most of the helpful stuff will be shared by Pep himself and not me, so uh, you'll only have to put up with it while I'm asking questions. Again, sorry, and I'm uh, making sure it's not going to happen again, and it's in my pre-show checklist for all future episodes. Anyway, let's get on with it. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 129 and this is a big one because I've got a bit of a legend in the uh, internet marketing, I guess, marketing, digital marketing space, Mr. Pep Lair. Now, did I butcher the hell out of your name? No, it's it was almost perfect. <laughs> almost, almost. Mate, thank you so much for joining me. It is my pleasure. Uh, look, I have a lot of questions from our audience uh, today. Uh, we're going to talk about two things. I think the the biggest things that I've seen come out, uh, what my what the audience of this podcast want to know, are around you know differentiation as an agency. I know this is a big topic that you talk about and that you're very familiar with, still running an agency, um, and then how agencies can actually offer CRO as a service uh, to their clients. And there's a, a very there's a lot of questions around that. It's going to be hard to filter them, but uh, we'll give it a go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. First, actually, guys, if you haven't, if you don't know Pep, um, I'm just going to have to say, if you don't know the name straight up, then you'll probably know CXL.com. Obviously, one of uh, the bigger names in uh, digital marketing blogs out there. Still on my list. If you're a subscriber of the the Web Business Weekly that I send out, it's one of my main sources where I get a lot of great, (laughs) a lot of great uh, content. So yeah, Pep. Just first up, thanks you. Thank you for producing so much awesome content with your business. I'm glad you find it useful. <laughs> and uh, yeah, any agencies listening, I would recommend subscribing because obviously, you know, it's a being better at conversion rate optimization is is a service that uh, clients are going to love you for. So let's dig into this uh, differentiation for agencies because it's notoriously hard to differentiate as an agency. I'm sure. I don't know. Do you agree with that? Pat? I think it is. Uh, I mean, if, if you want to differentiate, you will find a way. Mm-hmm. You will find a way. And, and most, most are not even doing the bare minimum. Most are not even thinking about it. So the, the default in, in the whole world is sameness. You know, like agencies and SaaS companies and e-commerce companies, most of them are pitching themselves as if they're the only one doing what they're doing. So if you go to their website, like it's an SEO agency or PPC agency, and you read how they're pitching themselves, the classic mistakes is uh, that they're making are say, oh, we do SEO and we have 20 years of experience and we also do PPC. Uh, well, if you lead with what you do, 
you're immediately positioning yourself as a commodity. Because if, if the only bucket that can put you in is that you do SEO, well, so does everybody else. I got 100 SEO companies here. And so by, by leading with what you do, you are fungible. You're easily replaceable with any other one. And I'll just try to go with the cheaper one. Fair enough. Um, and I love that you just used the word fungible because I wouldn't have even known what that meant until uh, uh, NFTs <laughs> started mm-hmm. becoming a thing. Thank you for the world of cryptocurrency. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. So what's the way to fix that then? Like what if instead of leading, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people like to list out what services they do, but what's the alternative? Yeah, well, obviously, you do need to say what you do. It's, it's part of it if people want to know, uh, but that's not how you differentiate. You cannot differentiate through what you do. So that's not where differentiation is. Differentiation, I mean, of course, this is a long topic. I've written a, um, a lengthy, I think, 8,000-word article on all the ways based on my year-long research on and- it. And we will link this up for sure. Um, I'll get the link. Do you know yeah. how to Google my it? name and differentiation and you'll, you'll cool. find it. There you go. And so for agencies, for consulting companies, the key thing is, is like what business are you in? You are in the business of expertise. And so unless you're a giant company, your company name is not really what you compete on. You compete on the expertise of the people in your company. So McKinsey or BWC can be, you know, consulting companies using their brand name and people want the brand. In most other cases, you want, if I need, you know, PPC or SEO or CRO or whatever services, I'm like, who's who's good? Like, I need I need a copywriter. Oh, Joanna Wee from Copy Hackers. I don't want her, you know. So your key differentiation comes from a cornered resource, which is you, the founder, who I assume usually is also the uh, subject matter expert. So that means that a key uh, aspect of your differentiation is personal branding, making people think that whoever is the guy or girl running the company is, you know, is the, the best person for this. And... This is a quote from like the Basecamp founders. It's like, no, but no competitor can copy you, right? And so what you want to do is you want to put more you in your product. The more you is in there, the easier it is to compete, especially if you're a one, two-person company. Like, I think it's a, it's, it's a terrible mistake if you're a one-person SEO expert, and then, then you call yourself, I know, green light marketing. <laughs> Come on, like, be Jody Mitchell or whatever your name is, like. That's a brand. I like that. And it, it is definitely coming up like this, this topic and like points like this, I'm seeing come up more and more, you know, like the whole be you in like the authentic self kind of stuff, because like you said, no one can copy who you are, you know, who you are. So um, totally that makes a lot of sense to me. When so That's of course just one way. So yeah. I, I would say that's an, when the founder, the CEO, whoever is the face of the company, it doesn't need to be the founder, it can be anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a big amplifier for your business anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started CXL as a conversion optimization agency, make putting my name out there was a key part of the, the overall marketing, go to market strategy. Mm-hmm. My goal in 2011 was 
to become the like the go-to name for conversion optimization. So I was looking at who else are all the famous people, like what are they doing? And so I looked at like bigger categories like PPC and I say, oh, this guy has a book, this guy does a conference, they have a blog, they're active on social. Okay, check, check, check. I'm going to do all those things. So I'm going to write a book, I'm going to blog like a madman, I'll be all over Twitter, I'll start my own conference. And what do you know, then in 2016 or whatever, Five years later, when they did that, like, who are the most influential people in CRO? Like, I was rated number one because I worked to get there on purpose. There are other ways you can differentiate is, and obvious ones, niche the fuck down. <laughs> you know, don't be SEO for everybody. Be SEO for a particular type of companies, like the personal finance sites. I knew yeah. all about, you know, the, how how that works or, or PPC for like, uh, you know, this type of e-commerce company. So how big the niche is, like there, of course, there's a, there are trade-offs here. So the way I think about it is like, what is, a, what is the outcome that you're after? And like, if you want to become a $100 million company, obviously you can't, you know, your niche cannot be too small. However, if it's a lifestyle company, you want to pay yourself a nice, cushy salary. You know, you, you want to make, I don't know, half a million a year, which is plenty for most people. Then... I mean, that changes things. Then that means that you can niche the fuck down. And so if you look at any category, like ketchup, compact cars, uh, CRM software, email marketing, what happens in any of these mature categories is that the market positions are extremely rigid. There's very slow movement. So in ketchup, whoever was number one 50 years ago is still number one, like still Heinz. And number two is also number two. And whoever is 17 was 50 years ago is still number 17 in most categories. Of course, uh, new categories, like especially in tech, it's different. Yeah. There are, there, there's a time when the piece is up in the air and, you know, then it's race, race to who will become number one and will then stay there for the next 50 years. So what that means is uh, there, there are certain laws, law of, you know, double jeopardy and so on, that number one and two in every category, I'd say in SEO companies in the whole world as a category, the number two and uh, one and two get most of the money, and three also maybe. So one, two, and three typically in most categories get like eighty percent of the money, you know. And then of course there's a huge long tail, uh, and and if you're like number twenty-seven, it's very hard to stand out. Most people don't know that you exist, especially if you compete on sameness. I also do SEO, like you will never go anywhere, but it's far better. To be number one in your niche, if I am a small uh, like personal finance website and I'm here that and I need SEO, there's a personal finance specific SEO company. Booyah, I want to talk to these guys. And then when if your personal finance SEO, all your case studies are from this industry, and, and you know as a consultant that people care that have you work with other businesses like us, even though I think it's it's bullshit. Like you don't need any domain specific expertise. It's SEO is SEO. Or CRO is CRO. But the clients care about that a lot. So um, you have all those things. And also everybody knows each other in a, in a small pond. So you can get a ref- lot of referrals. Uh, and also then you can make a list of all the companies that should be your customers. Mm. You know, in a small niche, maybe it's only like 200 companies, you know, and that's it. Um, so it's like a dream then, list. You're like, okay, who are the CEOs of all these companies? Going to follow them all on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and wherever mm-hmm. else they hang out. 
going to start engaging them through social every day. Every day they post, I comment. Not like buy my shit, never do that, but insightful, meaningful comments. It's a dialogue, right? And with, within one year, you build relationships with these people. They will recognize your name. Yeah. And they know that you always come with insightful comments. That's how you end. Yeah. And so you've just outlined a whole bunch of stuff there that goes way beyond just like choosing a niche. I see a lot of stuff in agency space, like in you know various communities. I see people saying like, oh, what niche should I choose? You know, and mm. and for them, choosing a niche is like changing the headline on their website to go SEO for, uh, you know, uh, yeah. dentists or whatever. Now, I just I just wanted to bring this up because I see so many people doing it where like niche, that's it. Like that's where it ends. It's like now, okay, we've chosen a specialization because I wrote uh, SEO for dentists on my, yes. on my front page, right? And what you spoke about there where you're actually now choosing the clients that you want to work with and following them on LinkedIn, engaging with them and building relationships and uh, getting the case studies from those people. So the clients right. can and see that. Right, for like, content marketing, all the examples are from this industry. And then yeah. if you produce industry reports, like, hey, we analyzed top 100 dentist websites and this is what we found, you know? Yeah. This is relevant stuff, content that is interesting for a very particular audience. And everybody else is producing generic SEO reports and mm -hmm. you're like dentist industry. Yeah. So it just, it becomes like the DNA, like all the, all the stuff that you do is, is around that. Mm. And it's much easier to become number one or two in your category and the one number one and two get 80% of the business. Yeah. But okay. let's say the fear is always that what if it's too small niche? Okay. Fair. It might be. However, the way I think about it is that dominate this one thing first. And then you can expand out of it. Like take Tim fucking Ferris. So 2007, he wrote the, the four hour work week. Okay. He was known for that thing. It was very niche. It was like, backpackers and uh, you know travel bloggers and whoever like people who were like doing that um and now fast forward what 15 years tim is a mainstream guy he's everything guy like he's literally his lazy category like it's very hard to place him what is he now but he's come out of the tiny niche and over time over a 15 year period he, he can be more things but he ho he owned one idea one category to start yeah absolutely Yep. Um, I really love how much you dug into that differentiation thing because it comes up a lot like this, the topic of, you know, niching or whatever for agencies comes up all the time, but like, I yeah. think you've clarified it in a way that many don't, that like it needs to, it, it's a process, right? It's not just like, totally. oh, choose a, choose. And a if we, when we're, once we're on a, to a topic of process, that can be another way to, uh, to differentiate. So there's this SEO agency called Webris, webris.org, I think. Oh, yeah. They do SEO, but if you go there, they say, fire SEO agent. I don't remember what they exactly say, but basically, you don't need to be on an SEO retainer. That's bullshit. Instead, you should do sprints, SEO sprints, you know, taking from like design sprints methodology. So they're changing what they're talking about. And there's a like, they have a point of view, like whether it's accurate, that's beside the point. They have a point of view and they're, they're leading with a unique way, the unique way of, um, you know, presenting what they offer. They do the same stuff. And so, so describing your unique process is a way to differentiate 
in an in a non-agency world, let's uh, there's a there's a company that is um, really k- kicking ass. Uh, it's a fat loss company, and what they do is uh, I forget the name of the company, but basically they the promise is that they freeze your fat off. Yeah, and so weight loss is a massive trillion dollar category, and and they lead with their with their um, how like the process how how we achieve this and it's is like we we do this by freezing your fat off so wow, so if yeah. you have a, a unique approach a new unique way that and is maybe counter positioning against the traditional way you know mm-hmm. uh, that might be a way to differentiate um, unique way of doing things yeah I've seen a lot of people do this just simply by naming like adding a name to the process as well. And even like I've seen yes. some people go to the fact where they like put a trademark on like the name, like it, it could just be a pretty stand. I, I, I'm not suggesting people come up with a standard process and then stick a name on it. But if you do have something that's different, yeah, you can give it a name. There's a lot of power in naming things. You mm-hmm. know, it, it just takes on a life of its own. And uh, part of the things that we did uh, um, when we were building up CXL was that we created a research process that we basically cobbled it together based on existing systems, right? So I had different mentors, different leaders in the space that are teaching things. So I used this formula, this, 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 and then I synthesized and created kind of my own mm. thing. Right? What'd you call it? Did but you call it, it something? <laughs> and then I called it, I called the framework, it's a conversion research framework called Research Excel. And so now anybody, in, and then I started training people on it and it was like, you can get certified and all that stuff. And so it became kind of like the industry standard uh, methodology for conducting uh, conversion research. Hmm. Then uh, later I created another framework for prioritizing A-B tests and I gave that a name. Uh, and there, there was a unique point of view on what's wrong with all the other frameworks and here's a better one. And so... You are, if you want to be an agent, uh, sorry, like a leader of the industry, and th- there's, it pays a lot more if you're the leader of the agency. You can charge more money. You want to have your proprietary things, you know, mm. like you're not using somebody else's stuff. You're using your own stuff. You made up the stuff. Mm-hmm. Then when you're in your sales pitch, you're pitching like, why choose us? Why work with us? You can always talk about your unique stuff, like. You know, it's so yeah. the, so the rocket the rocket formula was, or something. I always see rocket being thrown around these names. It's yeah. a crap, yeah. But like, totally. yeah, the point is there that you are naming your framework, your process, and it's something you can refer to. For sure, yeah. uh, my friends are running a content marketing agency, also very saturated space, right? And so their whole thing is that they name their process that they're advocating, like. This is what you need to use, and they're they're, they're focused on B two B SaaS. They called called it, I think, the barbell strategy. So the only way to win blah, 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 is with this barbell strategy. And they told me that most of the inquire inquiries they're getting is all about, hey, I'm really interested in this barbell strategy. You know, <laughs> then they write thought leadership pieces and do webinars and podcast episodes and how, you know how they do this thing, and it's powerful just because they gave it a name. That's awesome. God, yeah. So that's such a good example. Uh, yeah, and I hope people are listening to this and it's getting their minds going uh, <laughs> on, on what, like, they can create, you know, uh, like, like a framework or something, you know. And it, it doesn't require – It's this isn't, like, a rocket science, you know. Like, you can no. just sit down and create, your like, a good process. And yes, whatever, and then your you, current you, process. 
Exactly. And then you add a story to it. Like, mm. what was the struggle before? So, like, I was using this, you know, it's the classic, like, weight loss. Like, ah, I tried the Atkins diet and this other diet and I regained all my weight until I came <laughs> up with this new diet. And it's the same stuff. Tell a story, a story that people resonate with because they tried this thing and that thing and they still didn't get the results. But now there's this new way. Yeah. And, and that's totally fine to have on the front page of your agency website, you know, like storytelling is captivating. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you can, let's say it's barbell strategy or whatever, like the dumbbell strategy. <laughs> so I have the, the bench press strategy here for content marketing. And then you make your homepage all about that. So, and here are the clients getting, getting these results with this bench press strategy. Hmm. <laughs> you, can, yep. you can totally brandify that, go all in with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, God, this is so good. So uh, one thing I'd like to circle back on a question I had earlier in, in the piece um, before we head on with um, how agencies can uh, do CRO as a service. Um, you were talking about personalization, you know, and like personal branding as a part of differentiation. I was just curious what, like how you think people can keep that aspect of differentiation as they grow bigger. You know, like obviously you've done this well. I see your name, your photo is on every blog post that I see on CXL, right? It's in the sidebar there. Um, so you're still being associated with CXL constantly. But I just, do you have any tips for agencies as they grow? Because typically they end up with like a kind of generic page without personal brand. Yeah. So I say, don't be afraid of it. You know, look at Tesla, Elon Musk, you know, it's just, it's just ads. It's, a, it's an amplifier. Tesla is spending zero dollars on ads while their you know big competitors are like millions and millions and millions. What Elon has is fifty million followers on Twitter. You know? mm -hmm. So of course if Elon does stupid shit, that can be a liability for the <laughs> stock price. And you know, like if he if there's a scandal in waiting and probably yeah. Is, yeah. then <laughs> that could bring down the company. So but if you are the founder, <laughs> I don't know. You want to take the bet and you just behave nicely, right? Yeah. So in that way, you don't then, because you don't, I don't know, I haven't been to the Tesla website, but I don't imagine Elon Musk is plastered all over it. So no, I guess that's, I don't think so, yeah. so, so you're kind of saying here then you having the personal brand in addition to the agency, like obviously they are intertwined. So you want to, I mean, agencies are of course, smaller scale. Like it's not like yeah. Tesla has just so much free press. So we all mm -hmm. know who Elon Musk is, but if it's an unknown if it's an unknown couple, like if your your founder is doing personal brand marketing on Twitter and LinkedIn posting daily, which mm -hmm. you should, then let's say the lead saw you in some forum, in a Slack group, wherever you're giving out good advice on a YouTube video. It really helps to have that message match, like the, they see the founder's face on the key landing page, on the homepage or where, wherever the traffic may be landing on. So I think it really helps. Like, don't make the don't make the company about the founder, unless if it's a one person company. Then obviously, then I am Joe Schmo. Hire me. Um, yeah. But just use it. Use it. Use it. You know. Yeah. Aggressively yeah. is my advice. It just it it just helps. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I mean, like, if you go to CXL, I just just pulled it up now. It is. It's you uh, in the header, right? So there's obviously yeah. different. Um, Levels well, uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a mini brand, I'm a yeah. D level celebrity in some circles, <laughs> and and people, so on CXL, which is the e learning platform, 
you know, we sell CRO mini degree, which is our training program on conversion optimization. And people associate me with CRO. So it, it helps also a lot of the content is actually created by me. So it's, it's not like it's fake. Mm. It's, it's legit. Uh, on the agency site, which is uh, my agency, Spiro, Spiro.com, you don't see me anymore there, um, even though like I'm associated with the company, but also, but I'm also not involved anymore on a day-to-day basis. So it just makes sense that I'm not yeah. represented anywhere. Okay. There you go. Yeah, that, that, that pretty much answers my question. Like I say, there's nothing wrong with having your picture there. It's just, yeah, it's kind of a decision you'll have to make. And So and there, there used to be the case where a lot of, not a lot of, but some leads came in where they insisted specifically that they want to work with me or and nobody else. Right. And what we would usually do, like the response would be, first of all, all my team members are like top solid, like I've trained them myself or whatever that marketing message might be. And two, if you do insist to work with me, it's just two times more money. Mm. So do you want the, the you know, 5000 a month retainer or the 10000 a month retainer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if they want to pay more, sure. Yeah. Happy to oblige. Yeah, love it. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, so let's change gears into how agencies can sort of, well, two things, get better at CRO and and how to deliver it as a service. Because it is something I don't see that much, to be honest, you know, like in, in the agencies that in my community and you know, most of them are offering, like you said, you know, website, SEO, PPC. Um, I very rarely see CRO. I, I imagine clients are, a lot of clients wouldn't even know what it is. Uh, they just want to yeah. make more sales without having to get more traffic, I guess, you know, like, so I guess that's a couple of things here. Like, how do you educate clients on needing CRO? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a multifaceted situation. So first of all, you know, what is CRO and what is it not? Uh, the way I see it, it's, it's, there are two components to it. There's research, like in order to f- improve the conversion rate, in order to get more people to sign up for the email list or buy more shit, we need to know what the problems are, like what's holding people back from buying more stuff, right? And so you can do research for any, any site, qualitative, quantitative, analytics, re- you know, interviews, all that stuff, surveys. And then the other part of it is experimentation. So this is A-B tests, validating hypotheses, things like that. And this part is only accessible for much larger businesses because, you know, in order to run A-B tests, there are certain statistical requirements for sample sizes. Roughly speaking, very broadly speaking, if the website in question has under 1,000 transactions per month, a transaction would be the metric you're optimizing for, like purchases. If you're less than that a month, you can't really run A-B tests. You just don't have the volume. And so that rules out most small businesses instantly. Yeah. Typically, I say if, if the business does less than 10 million in revenue, it's not a good fit. Wow. Uh, so 10 million in revenue and up is when, when you start when, when you can start running experiments and charge money for that. But before that, the thing is you can do is that anybody wants you know uh, to acquire pay traffic cheaper. So you sell it in conjunction with other things. So it's perfect for PPC. So you have landing pages. You're spending through the nose on pay traffic. The traffic is landing, and if the traffic is like, eh, 
you know, it's mm. a problem. So if you can improve that 2% conversion rate into 2.5%, it's huge. And if you can acquire the traffic cheaper than the competition, that's how you win. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of a, like a PPC add-on to PPC is um, companies get it. It's, e it's an easy sell. So they come looking for PPC and you say, well, we have this add-on service on top where we can optimize these landing pages or your homepage, or, you know, depending on the site, it might be an e-commerce, product pages, checkout, you know, there's no limit. And so with smaller businesses that they would not know to buy that CRO is the answer, but they know what the problem is. Like I need to make more money is what they say. Right. And so they come to you and they think I need more traffic. Usually is what they, what they, what they want to buy. And then uh, the agencies can say that, yes, traffic is great. You know, with SEO, it's going to take time. Uh, with PPC, it's instant, but it's expensive. But to make that money go further, to make the traffic go further, this yeah. is, here's the things we can do. And so the perfect foot-in-the-door service for conversion optimization is, is the conversion research portion of it. So this is the, the quant quantitative bit is like using Google Analytics or whatever. A, first of all, we're making sure that everything is being tracked. You know, if, you, if you're not tracking every click scroll, every, you know, checkout step and conversions, of course, you can't optimize shit. So first of all, make sure the tracking is in place. And if not, you can charge money for it. Mm -hmm. Good money. Uh, two is then, you know, you identify where the traffic is dropping off, which pages, where, where the problem, what are the problematic pages? in the checkout flow, which landing pages are converting shittily. And then you do qualitative research to f figure out why. Uh, through polls, surveys, interviews, uh, message testing, things like that. And you understand why people are leaving, why they're dropping off, why they're not buying more shit. Yeah. Something... And, so I just wanted to really dig into one thing you said there and just kind of yeah. emphasize interviews. Like I, because that can be done at any level of business, right? If you've got, yeah, you know, qualitative 10, research. Absolutely. If you've got ten clients, you can interview those ten clients and get a lot of information. You know, like asking them what, what, if there's any reasons they almost didn't buy from you, what they were looking yes. for, like what the experience has been like working with you, what their problem was before. You know, those kind of questions. I mean, this is my life. That's why I wanted to dig into that. Like yeah. pretty much all I do with our software product um, is talk to clients. You know, like when they cancel. I get on a phone call with them if they're happy to jump on it. You know, I give them an Amazon voucher after they can't like it's as an incentive to be like, I know you've left, so like, why would they jump on a call? So I try to incentivize it. Uh, when people first come in, they answer some questions in a survey um, in exchange for uh, extending their trial. Um, you know, if they give us a good review, I want to get on a call with them. They give us a bad review, I want to get on a call with them. You know, and these things are just where all the best stuff comes from. The, like the exactly. language we use in our copy, like everything. Do you manage WordPress sites for your clients? If so, you should probably check out WP Remote. It's a central platform to manage all of your sites in one place. That includes security, malware, uptime monitoring, and it's even got a built-in staging system. But my favorite feature is the visual regression system that will give you an alert if something breaks on an update so you can get in there and fix it. It was created by the same people behind Blog Vault and Melcare, 
Now, BlogVault is one of the best backup plugins I've used, and it's also trusted by some of the biggest WP maintenance agencies out there like GoWP, WP Buffs, WP Valet. So if these guys rely on it, you know it's rock solid. You can try WP Remote for free and get 10% off any of the paid offerings by going to wpremote.com slash highway. Now let's get back to the show. Exactly right. So I think most people kind of know and get it that they should do research. And the reason they're not doing it is because it's fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> it's very time consuming, you know. Uh, or if at least it, it might seem intimidating. It doesn't need to be time consuming. Of course, interviews can be time consuming also. But also there's a perception of that. It's, it's just too much. So then, of course, there are other options. You can... You can throw money at the problem and then and get those qualitative insights without you personally interviewing with some, you know, mm-hmm. those people. So, uh, with um, depending if you're B two C or B two B, like for e-commerce sites, you can do all kinds of consumer surveys, um, user testing sites, right? Like you can pay panelists, and then mm-hmm. then they'll answer questions for you, uh, walk through your website. Or this is what I'm doing at Winter for B2B. So if you sell to SaaS CMOs or HR managers, you know you could survey them. What is it that they want? Or or you can you know put the, your website messaging in front of those people, and they'll tell you what's wrong, what's unclear, what's good, what's not good, what's resonating, what's turning them off. And this is all, without you spending any time at it. You just get results. And like yeah. pay money, you're the results. Yeah, so um, I was actually going to men- mention Winter later in this, so you may as well talk about that now. But it's uh, it's W Y N T E R, right? Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. We'll that up. Um, yeah, and so I actually sent that out to uh, my newsletter a few weeks back um, as like a cool way that agencies could make some money on the side, like freelancers can make some money on the side just by you know being the panelist, essentially. Yeah, that uh, that's one way, but also like a lot of agencies make money. By uh, by basically using it for the clients, mm-hmm. so this is another way to what is another way to differentiate is like you're offering capabilities mm-hmm. that other agencies don't have. So you can have data on everything on your website, every click, every scroll. You know what they do? Great. Mm-hmm. Every agency has the data. What if you could offer data to your clients on how their the words are working? They have a lot of copy, like what's good, what's not, how do we optimize it? No no idea. Well, you can bring that data and there's a lot of ways to make money with it. You can summarize it in a yeah. data-driven you know, copy optimization, you name it. Absolutely. And and I think the the interview service, yeah, it's intense, but like I think that's something that you can offer clients as well. You know, I don't think it's that difficult to train someone up on how to interview your clients. So if you, yeah. you could hire someone that literally just does interviews, you know, I hired someone that does case studies, they get on um, a video call, and they ask questions about some of our clients, and they turn they turn that in, this is like another agency, they turn that into a, um, a video testimonial and case study, right? Ooh. So I think you could do the yeah. same thing with interviews, you know, you've got right, right, right. the same kind of questions. And I think a benefit of you doing the interviews for your clients. So, so just to clarify here, you're offering a service like a CRO service with interviews to your clients and you're interviewing your clients' clients. Um, I think there's a benefit there because they're going to be more honest with you than they are with 
their client, like their the person they're working with directly. Also, the just the richness of the um, you know voice of the customer. It's you get a much better idea. So I've done years of qualitative research. And when I, let's say, I surveyed maybe 500 people and then I hand-codified the whole survey, open-ended questions in the survey. What did you want? Why did you leave? Blah, 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 whatever. And when I just read everything through manually, I, I got a much, much better picture of who is the customer and what do they want mm-hmm. versus reading a summary. So there's a summary PowerPoint slide like, oh, there were like 500 people and here are the top five issues we identified. That's too, you know, surface level. Mm. Yeah, awesome. So there's there's a whole lot there, I guess, um, that we've covered. You know, a, a way you can offer services to clients because, like, like you did, you you said before, like running CRO to a lot of people means A/B tests, multivariate tests, all this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and without a lot of conversions, you can't really make that work. I, I know. Oh, yeah, but you can sell conversion research always yeah exactly. we started selling it i think when we first started i think uh we we charged maybe a thousand bucks for this audit thing and then as we got better at it you know because if, if when you start out you never get at it you're kind of like mm. <laughs> so when we got better at it now we're charging like 20k and it takes us a month and there's a like it's a whole process and all the data and and it's and it's it's also a key way to win business like to get annual contracts so typically so when we finish the re- with the research we insist okay we need to present the results to the whole leadership team yes the cfo needs to be there and obviously the ceo and the marketing manager and and whoever you know controls might be an obstacle in in, in um, getting buy-in then you present everything you found all the issues all the opportunities that if you just address these opportunities, you'll you'll make more money. And so by do, presenting this data to the whole leadership team, they're all getting um, they're buying into that. That yes, these are important problems we need to solve, and we probably need to throw money at it. Sometimes they have internal capabilities to fix it on their own, but often I want, want to say seventy five percent of cases they're like, "Thanks for the presentation. Now, how much to fix this shit?" You know, and then it's like, "Well." Here, the paperwork. It's funny you should ask. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, just to sort of quickly circle back on something with with CRO and get your opinion on, you know, you said you know ten million dollars or whatever. What do you think about moving the conversion point closer to uh, like up the chain? I guess so. Instead of optimizing for the sale, optimizing for an opt in or like a trial sign up or creating an account, you know, these kind of things. Yeah. So conversions that way. Building an email list, uh, generating more leads might be totally legit. Trial mm-hmm. starts, same thing. Uh, Cause they are um, related to, to the final outcome. So usually you'll start seeing a trend. Like if we double our trial signups, we also, you know, increase, I don't know, the, the trial to paid conversions by you know the volume by thirty percent, something like this. So you need to like kind of like get clarity on how this lever here affects that number. However, if it's if it's just uh, a page visit, that doesn't do shit. So often a mistake I see like optimizing e-commerce websites. Oh, so I cannot really measure you know actual purchases. So I'll just measure how many people get to the cart page. 
And that doesn't mean anything. It's completely wasted, complete waste of time. So just moving people around on your site does nothing at all. That's a waste. Yeah. So it needs to be an actual action that, yeah. that you uh, use, like a trial start or a, a lead gen or something. Yeah, like I, I, just, I thought I'd get your opinion because I've been in two minds about this. I see it as like fairly common advice in, you know, whether it's Facebook ads or whatever, to move the conversion up into something you can get more conversions uh, you know, so like we said, like a lead sign up or something, yeah. um, you know, and that that gives you more data, whatever. But you can also optimize for the wrong thing. You know, with us, I know optimizing trial signups can, can get the wrong people to sign up for a trial. Like I've noticed that with certain channels, our trial to paid conversion on some some channels is just woeful. So mm-hmm. it's you could be optimizing for the wrong thing wrong people to come. Absolutely. It's, yeah, totally. I mean, sometimes it's hard to know in advance, so you still might want to run that as an experiment mm-hmm. and see if it down the line converts. Well, yeah, uh, but it's like putting up the sign, free beer, you know, and people sign up, but they don't actually want to pay for the beer because you said free, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. All right, so, so if someone is starting or thinking about you know, getting into CRO as a service, um, where should they start? Like, what what some what are some skills that they should learn? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot to learn. So the yeah. CRO mini degree at, at CXL, of course, that's like more than a hundred hours of content. Where you because wow. like CRO is one of these things where you need to know a lot about a lot, psychology and copywriting and statistics and test design and test strategies and qualitative research and quant research and Google Analytics and Tang Manager. And there's a lot that goes in there. So there's a lot to know. So depending on where you're at, you know, some education is definitely needed. Of course, CXL blog, as you said, has a lot of content on it, which is also good and it's free. Um, so, but if, if um, let's say that knowledge is not an issue, you want to like land a customer. So the easiest way is just, Try to upsell your existing customer that has a some with uh, upsell somebody who trusts you. The easiest way to make money is to sell more to somebody who has already bought from you. So, like, look at Apple. So, somebody who loves Apple that has their you know MacBook, but also their phone and the buds and the you know the whole thing. They want to buy more Apple shit. It's the same thing. If if you have a trusting relationship. And they, they believe that you're valuable and say, hey, there's another way we can add value to your business. That's the easiest way to start. Yeah, awesome. And then, I mean, yeah, whether you want to sell them like customer research and, and that kind of thing. Cause- I would start with an audit. It's a really good foot-in-the-door service. And because the end of the audit is like you are highlighting problems to solve. So what's in the audit? And, sorry? So what would you include in an audit? Well, there are many ways ways to do it. So, if you Google Research Excel, it's a fra- framework that I, I mentioned early on. Yep. Uh, so, there's I'll a whole framework. It's, it, uh, I have a blog post on how to do it and what's what's in it. But basically, you do you do user testing, you do qualitative uh, research, meaning surveys, polls. Um, then you do uh, analyze the Google Analytics, like what are the users doing on their site or not. And uh, you do also heuristic analysis, which is kind of like this. You assess their site um, against a certain certain uh, heuristics uh, like uh, clarity. Do I understand what's going on here? And 
or or motivation. What are we doing on this page to increase user motivation? You know, like or what what are the trust factors here? Like what are we doing here on this page to increase the trust and so on and so forth. So so there's a lot that goes in there, uh, but the end output basically should be that we know every single problem with the website. Which URLs, specific URLs have those problems or templates? Let's say it's an e-commerce. We know it's a product page template. And so we know where the problems are and we know why the problems are. Uh, why, why these problems are problems to begin with. Like people are not buying more pants because they're not sure whether they can fit into them. Okay, that's an insight. So what should we do about it? Well, then obviously the audit should not recommend this is the solution because nobody knows what the solution is hence heavy testing experimentation i mean you can have a general idea that we need to give better sizing information and uh i don't know emphasize the return policy or exchange policy uh to calm those fears and so so you highlight problems where what and severity so if you have 100 problems well which ones are like a level like really bad problems some are like critical problems costing you a lot of money today. And then all the way down to this is a minor usability issues that you should fix eventually, you know. Yeah. So, and then you, you have a list. So we usually give clients a spreadsheet that is or organized by severity and is highly detailed of how we found this issue and what are the symptoms and, and, and so on and mm -hmm. what to do about it. So they can either do it themselves or you help them. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. So it's a great, yeah, great foot in the door to like all your services as well. And, you know, like this is something you can sell to existing clients, like you said, fine. Right, because if, if they're aware of the problem, mm. now it's much more tangible. What is it that you're coming on to do here? You know, like, oh, there's a list of 76 problems we found. And the job is done when the 76 problems are fixed. And then we can do an another audit and see if and where we're at. Sometimes... With smaller businesses, you do hit the um, point of diminishing returns, meaning that your optimization efforts cost more money than the ROI. In which case, you know, it's good to notice when the moment comes and then you'll you know, part your ways as friends. Mm -hmm. Cool. So putting like this order together, are there any tool recommendations you could make for people uh, that to make it easy? Obviously, Winter is one, um, which we'll link up, you know, the, and I mean, tools and services here. So Winter being a service. Or research? Yeah, just to help them put all this stuff together. Yeah, like. Yeah, so Winter for message testing, if you want to see if your messaging is resonating with the audience. Uh, for polls and heat maps and things like that, I mean, Hotchar is my go-to, but I mean, it's a very competitive space. There's a lot of tools. Microsoft has a completely free heat yeah. maps and session recordings tool Clarity. called Clarity. Yeah, we're, so, we're using that one at the moment. I can say it's it's pretty good. Like it obviously doesn't have polls and stuff. It's just heat maps, scroll maps, click maps. And um, yeah, I mean, there are dedicated polls tools that you can use uh, for surveys. I mean, it's any survey. The Google Forms is fine. You mm -hmm. know, or you can use Typeform. It's very affordable and great great tool. Um, Google Analytics Tag Manager. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're true ninja, I mean, you might uh, want to add some stuff on top of Google Analytics, like, I don't know, like uh, Data Studio or Supermetrics or, you know, one of those things, mm -hmm. depending on what kind of data you, you have to work with. Yeah, cool. I just thought I'd ask you, yeah, what, what kind of ones you're working with. I know, um, 
you know, this isn't relevant for everyone, but we we use Mixpanel quite a bit as a, uh -huh. as a fairly affordable, I guess. Yeah, if, if if it's in in app stuff that you need to track, mm. it's great. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean affordable, of course, is questionable because I think it's it's really fucking cheap until <laughs> twenty thousand page views or something, and then it's like uh, twenty thousand uh, minimum a year. You know. I feel like, yeah, so so it is like that. But all the other tools that I found in that space are like starting at about 10 grand a year, you know? And I'm like, I think, I mean, the Heap, which is their competitor, uh, also has a free plan up to 15,000 page views a month or something like that. Right. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Heap. Oh, really? And, uh, cool. Amplitude. I don't remember what Amplitude has, but I think a, a lot of these apps also have, you know, um, like, yeah, startup discounts and shit like that. Yeah. yeah, cool. All right, there we go. Um, before we wrap up, is there any, like, important things you think uh, that I've missed here that, that we should talk about? <laughs> hmm. So also, when it comes to differentiation, it's, um, so one thing I mentioned, like, don't write your website copy uh, to sell why, uh, why they should buy your services. Uh, sell instead why they should buy your services over all these other guys. There, there, it's you know nuance, but it's very important. A lot of people say, oh, you should buy SEO because it helps you get more organic traffic. Yeah, people know that. <laughs> Don't sell me what, why you need SEO. Sell why your agency instead of that other agency, right? So focus on uh, the... Uh, you know, brand preference, basically, why, why you should choose us. And what I did uh, back in the day was I, when, when I was pitching a client, a lead, you know, the inbound lead comes in, I'm pitching them. I always ask them, who else are you talking to? So 50% of the time, they tell me, okay, we're also talking to this, this, this. And, and uh, in that case, I would say, great, awesome. They're really good people. Uh, let me tell you uh, why you might want to consider us. Like, how are we different? And never badmouth the competition unless it's like Neil Patel. But normally, like, be respectful. And, and but highlight the differences. Like, mm -hmm. they do this, we do that. And the other times, the other fifty percent of times, when it's like, oh, well, like, I don't want to disclose who we're talking to. That's fine. In that case, what I usually did and what really worked well was like, okay. Let me name five or six companies, agencies, and you tell me how many I got right. And they're like, oh, sure, like entertain me. And so, oh, you know, we're a wider funnel and web arts and this company, that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, you got four out of six, you know. <laughs> First of all, I'm showing that I know my industry, which is mm -hmm. always impressive. Two, now even that I know that I got most of them right, uh, I can now, again, go into the pitch, how we are different from these guys. Like, I don't know specifically who you're talking to, but let me, you know, mm -hmm. broadly speaking, this is what we do differently. Mm -hmm. And uh, there, and also, like, you are not a good good fit for everybody, right? There, it's So I would also be put up uh, like a velvet rope. And so, you know, if you're that kind of company, actually, you might want to go with these guys instead. What psychologically, it happens. If you say no, they want you more. <laughs> it's weird. It's... Kind of like dating works. <laughs> like, <laughs> playing hard to get makes you more attractive. It's it's fucked up, but it's true. Mm. Mm. Awesome, yeah, man. so those, those are my last two cents there. 
Yeah, that was that was a really good, <laughs> really good extra thing to talk about. You know, I think there's very actionable stuff in there uh, for agencies. I mean, we've covered we've covered a lot. Um, you know, I think um, agencies come out of this this episode with with quite a few action items. You know, on like how to differ- the main things, obviously, how to differentiate uh, themselves, and then what kind of services to offer clients. And I think, you know. The, the big experiments, like we've sort of said, only make sense at really high traffic volumes. And like, there's going to be a mix of people listening. Like some people are going to have those big clients. But like you said, many small businesses, which where most of the listeners are working with, like they, it's just too much. Like they don't, they, they don't have enough traffic to make these big experiments yeah. work. So offering those services like, like interviews and, and research and whatever, like, Mm-hmm. You can get some big wins on the board for your clients with that kind of for stuff. For sure. Like you might not be able to run an A-B test, but then you sh- just make changes. You just ship your best hypothesis mm. and you just implement it right away. And then in order to know whether it worked, you want to see maybe about 20% uh, uplift in your, let's say, Google Analytics number. So if you used to get, you know, 20 leads a week and now after the changes you're getting 30 we- uh, leads a week it's probably because of the changes you made yeah. but if if the if the change towards positive or negative is like let's say 10% range then actually you have no idea because your your conversion rate is fluctuating 10 plus minus 10% all the time mm. it's like normal fluctuation yeah, I guess that's like the same kind of thing that falls out in actual A/B tests. Like you have, if you if you do use a an A/B test tool, like we've used um, Google Optimize in the past, yeah. and you know all of these tools, they give you like a confidence range based on yeah. based on um, you know how many people have come to the site versus how many convert. And obviously, if the difference is great, like you know if you go from thirty lead, uh, ten leads a week to thirty leads a week. A lot of these A/B test tools would probably show significance, no? Because yeah, exactly. Because so uh, if the relative difference is huge, uh, you need less sample size. Yeah, and then also being directionally accurate is is often fine, because um, after all, we're in the business of making money, not in the business of science. Mm. That being said, uh, the false positive is also a terrible thing to achieve, because especially if it's like, oh, our test is like. A has 10 conversions and B has 12 conversions. And then it's like, oh, B is better. <laughs> no, it's not. You have no fucking data here. So yeah. roughly speaking, if you have like less than 250 conversions per variant, uh, it's bullshit. Like there, mm. there's no, you can't conclude anything. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, Pep, thank you so much for this uh this has been super helpful uh where would you like to send people to find out more about you and potentially connect i think social media so follow me on twitter linkedin um Mm -hmm. i'm very active post daily Mm -hmm. it's mostly good shit (laughs) awesome yeah and i'll link both of those up i'll link up uh pep's twitter and LinkedIn, as well as the winter service, um, where you can you, you can use that as a service for your clients, or if you're a freelancer looking to make some extra money on the side, you could become a tester. Um, I'll link up the CXL uh, mini degree and research Excel, um, plus the 8,000 word article on uh, differentiation. <laughs> Absolutely awesome stuff. Pep, thank you so much. My pleasure, man. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. 
Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.